Hello, everybody, and welcome to our very first episode of Shadows of Cadessa. We are an actual play D&D stream and podcast brought to you by the lovely people you see on the screen and some additional people. So Shadows of Cadessa is going to play a little bit differently than some of the D&D streams or even games you may have played before. First of all, we have a little bit of a larger cast than your average D&D party. What you see on the screen is approximately half our cast. We're going to run with 11 players in total, some of them playing more major roles, some of them playing more minor roles. And in lieu of a traditional stick-together adventuring party, all of these characters are going to be telling different stories that kind of weave together and connect within the magical city of Cadessa and its surrounding area. So first of all, let's introduce our players. Hi, I am Brittany, and I am playing Kyrie. Hi, I'm Denver. I'm going to be playing Tonic. Hi, I'm Gray. I'm going to be playing Savon. Hi, I'm Hayden, and I'm going to be playing Nima. Hi, I'm Jen. I'm playing Asoya. Hi, I'm Miles, and I'll be playing Quinn. And I'm Erin. I am your host and Dungeon Master. Uh, this is a homebrew world of my own creation with some help and input from my wonderful players here. So we're going to be playing with a lot of homebrew rules. Things are going to get a little wacky. Um, this setting is very much based in Southeast Asian culture and mythology. Uh, growing up, I, me being half Asian, that's what I loved hearing about. And that was something that I wanted to really bring to D&D because it's something that we don't see a lot of. So we're playing with D&D 5e rules. Uh, however, there's a lot of homebrew that goes into this. So <laughs> things are going to get a little weird. Some things might change as we go along. Uh, some of these races and classes you're going to see, we're sort of making up as we go. So uh, bear with us. But we're just here to tell a story. So thank you so much for joining us. And let's jump in to our very, very first session. This is chapter one, The Outer City. Our story begins in the jungles outside of the city of Cadessa. This peninsula kind of nestled into the southern coast of the continent. It's sort of this tropical paradise. Dense jungles give way to hills and mountains to the north. Rice fields uh, kind of are settled into the various hillsides around this little peninsula. Uh, the sea, very just like nice and peaceful. There's a small village that's kind of settled out, stilt homes, things like that, small fishing ports uh, set up along the coastline. The city of Cadessa, a little bit more inland on this peninsula, is a large walled city that has existed now for several hundred years. Uh, the land itself has thrived under the influence of magic from what are known as the realms beyond. Said that long ago, six great powerful realms all converged and in that point of convergence created a new realm, which we've come to know as the mortal plane upon which Cadessa has now been formed. As the great beings of the realms beyond began to merge and clash, from their blood and sweat and tears came forth new, smaller, mortal creatures. Humans, elves, dragonlings, all sorts of strange creatures with shorter lifespans and more limited access to magic. 
And as they've worked over the last several hundred years, forming settlements, followed by towns, followed by cities and civilizations, Cadessa has risen up at the center of this landscape as a place of progress and prosperity. Governed by a council of speakers that represent the six realms beyond, Cadessa has sort of become a place of seeking knowledge and seeking to become something more. And many people have traveled from the outer towns and villages to Cadessa to seek knowledge at the libraries or worship the deities of this landscape. And throughout the years, it's really become a, a center for progress in science and magic and astronomy and technology. Um, unfortunately, as empires rise, they often fall. And right now, Cadessa is beginning to wane. As magic has begun to recede, deities growing silent to their followers, and overall, just the, the access to magic in this land is becoming more and more restricted. A being known as the Oracle, who is said to have been uh, reincarnated time and time again through the centuries, who has led the city into its era of prosperity, is now growing increasingly more isolated and frustrated as he desperately tries to maintain the magical connections that Cadessa has to the outside world and to the realms beyond. And so we begin our story in the jungles outside of Cadessa, dense green canopies, very, very temperate climate. As a group of travelers are making their way from village to village within the jungle on approach to the city of Cadessa, uh, walking along the main paths that have been carved through the jungle. Uh, this small group of travelers are pulling a couple of carts with them, the carts loaded with rice and other produce, as well as a, an assortment of odd wares, uh, mostly magical in nature, artifacts gathered from various sites outside both the jungle and then in the mountains, um, and even some coming from across the seas. Uh, these travelers kind of clattering along, singing folk songs to themselves, uh, are two human figures, uh, as well as a, a, a dragonborn. Um, the, the three of them are old friends uh, from outward appearances. And they're, they're talking amongst themselves, enjoying the, the warm summer air outside Cadessa. Um, and they have a fourth member with them. But that fourth member is a little bit different than your average organic being. Denver, would you like to describe your character for us? Okay, so uh, you see Tonic. He is He appears to be what you would get if you started with a sort of wooden mannequin and then built um, armor into it. Uh, sort of traditional ninja armor, a little lighter than the, the samurai um, stuff. So he, you can see um, wood underneath, but then kind of at the, at the joints and then over the top there are plates, mostly, mostly bronze um, with, with a little bit of uh, a little bit of tarnish and corrosion, but he tries to stay polished, and um, he knows he's unusual, so he has a sort of cloak over him, um, hoping that he will appear to be uh, more or less human in armor. Um, 
he also the one of the odder things about him is that the the colors of metal on his two hands and forearms don't quite match up the right arm has more um copper sort of a reddish orange and the left is more um bronze and brass so it's kind of kind of shinier As you walk alongside your three more organic looking companions, uh, one of the older gentlemen uh, kind of stops the cart coming to a rickety halt as uh, this this older gentleman kind of mutters, swearing under his breath. Uh, This gentleman, uh, a man by the name of Kai, or at least that's the name you associate with him, uh, stops, goes to look at the wheel, clears his throat, looks at you, Excuse me, boy, uh, could you come here and take a look at this? Um, I think the wheel's broken again. Of course, Mr. Kai. Let me, let me see if I can help. He kind of gets out of the way uh, as you kind of look at the, the axle. You can see that very clearly uh, the axle has kind of hit maybe a stone or something along the way and kind of jostled everything loose in the cart. Oh, dear. Once again, um... And so he he starts to to work on the wheel. He I prop up kind of prop up the the one axle so I can access it. The my motions are a little odd. Sometimes a little too fast. Sometimes a little too slow. Um, as though he's watched people move and he's attempting to move like they do, but he doesn't quite get it. Um, so sometimes he'll stop and think and be totally still and then just like move very quickly and then slow down at the last second as he realizes that was a little bit off-putting probably. Um, So I work towards, uh, I have kind of a little toolkit that I, that I get out and I work towards um, mending the, the broken pieces and seeing what things need to be replaced and what things I can maybe still salvage. So you take out this toolkit, uh, beginning to, to kind of work on the axle. Uh, the dragonborn kind of comes over. Let me help you with that. Uh, here, here. And uh, she kind of picks up the, the, the edge of the cart a little bit, giving you a little bit better access to the, the wheel and the axle itself. Uh, Kai kind of clears his throat. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, it's... Uh, so good to have uh, good company these days. These these old eyes and these arms and well, just about every part of me isn't what it used to be these days. Uh, it's getting a little little creaky, I do believe. Um, the good boy here and I could uh, trade bodies one of these days. Uh, uh, he's certainly getting more limber as I uh, get uh, well squeakier, so it seems. I could share some oil if you desire. Uh, he he kind of gives a little chuckle. Oh, my dear boy, I've tried that already. You know, I bought some oil from a merchant once. He told me if I drank it, it would uh, cure all my ailments. All it did was give me a bellyache. Oh, dear. Don't believe the oil is meant for um, my sort of folk, but um, seems to do wonders for you. It certainly does, and he like, like he kind of like holds his arm up and and uh, waves a little bit because he's learned that. Kind of squeaks a little bit. Does the man go? Oh, oh, um, 
oh, this humidity. And he kind of like rifles through his bag, digs out uh, a little uh, container of oil, kind of starts to drip it into the joints uh, that form your being, uh, kind of loosens everything up, the squeaking vanishes. Keep um, waving turn... until it goes away. And then I your say, oh, your wave you. grows more and more silent. <laughs> much better, much better. Um, yeah, carry on, carry on. Uh, apologies for interrupting. Of course, thank you. Uh, go ahead and make me a, uh, let's just do a general dexterity check with any tool proficiencies you may have, just as you are repairing this cart. Let's see if this works. Then make it roll. Well. That's a natural 20. Oh, first roll of the game. Okay. Uh, your newly oiled limbs very, very elegantly uh, kind of just take these tools. You've done this uh, at this point a dozen times before, or at least you think you have. As the, the wheels kind of like you snap it back into place, replace a couple of the bolts and Good as new, the wheel begins to, to spin as you kind of check it as the dragonborn still kind of holding the cart up uh, allows you to kind of spin the wheel. Uh, returning the cart to the ground, you stand up admiring your work. Uh, Kai looks at the wheel, kind of inspects it himself and, oh yes, yes, very good, very good. Um, this is um, good work. I, uh, you deserve a good deal rest. I've never quite understood if you do or not. Technically, no. I use time for uh, pondering, uh, sort of a time of observance. Well, you've certainly earned that for yourself, uh, my dear. Why don't you uh, take a seat in the cart and, uh, you know, do your observance or whatever Much appreciated. it is. And he, he sits down and kind of, his eyes just go kind of dull and he just is very still. Uh, and as your your eyes kind of go dull, uh, the world around you around you kind of fades to black. Um, the kind of temperate, humid air around you kind of becomes unnoticeable uh, in your current state. And as you open your eyes once more, the the light kind of returning to them, uh, you open your eyes to what seems like a very dark room. Uh, your, your eyes kind of adjust, taking in the grayscale scenery around you. You appear to be in some sort of a workshop, a uh, cluttered, small little building, tools hanging on the wall across from you, um, and an, an older woman staring at you, one eye pressed up against your face, and as your eyes light up, she kind of backs up, eyes widening in surprise. Uh, she's she's an older woman, white hair, kind of pulled back into a messy bun, uh, wearing very simple clothes. Looks like mostly linens and cloths. Uh, just very very nicely dressed. Her clothes are clean, but they're simple. As she kind of looks to you, wiping her hands on the apron at her waist. What's this now? She kind of reaches up, taps you on the forehead between the eyes. I gently reach up and also tap Ooh. her on the forehead. She kind of freezes. 
recoiling. And then I tilt my head a little bit. And then I say, I don't recall coming here. Ooh! And she kind of like glances around. Uh, our statue's talking! Honey! She looks back. Do you have a name? I... He kind of looks down. And he thinks. And he kind of like looks at his hands. He says... I think so. And he kind of flexes his hands. And then he looks back and he says, Don't. What am I? Well, I thought you were a statue up until about uh, 30 seconds ago. So, um, that's a question for the both of us. You hear this kind of shuffling noise, uh, some clattering as you see um, an older gentleman, also wearing very kind of simple, nice clothes, a workman's apron. Uh, he's kind of wiping a ladle on his apron as he walks in. What's that? Oh, oh, it glowed. And he, he kind of shuffles up behind her. Poppy, is that you in there? I kind of wave and then I kind of am confused because I don't remember how I learned that. The, the older woman looks at the, the gentleman who has just arrived. She kind of, like, swats him on the shoulder. He's not your pappy. He's a statue. They both turn to look at you, and you see they're, they're kind of the wrinkles around their eyes, you know, the crow's feet at the corners, as they're both just in marvel, kind of examining every inch of you as you kind of seated still in this workshop uh you, you find yourself sitting in a position the the legs kind of crossed uh, seated on the floor staring down at your own hands that seem familiar yet foreign at the same time as you you glance back up and around uh these these two kind of hmm when we should put him to work in the restaurant and they kind of, oh, oh, we, dear, go, go get, go get the things that you came with, you know, the, the merchant stuff. And uh, the the older gentleman kind of shuffles into the back of the workshop. You hear movement of like pottery and bits of metal, things like that, uh, being shuffled around the the work table as this uh, gentleman returns with kind of a, a satchel um, that he he hands over to you. And the satchel itself appears to be full of maybe some glass and metal uh, sorts of equipment. Um, inside, there are some bottles, um, a couple of small boxes, um, and a like a little a little journal um, that's mostly just full of images of trees and wildlife, uh, certain plants, leaves, some mushrooms, and various various things that you would find out in a forest or a jungle or some sort of a thing. This is mine. Uh, well, um, I'm not really sure, uh, the woman kind of says, 
but um, it it was with you in the the cart full of things that we purchased off of a, a very nice gentleman a few years back. Um, we thought you were just a lovely statue. Uh, you know, we could maybe spruce you up. Um, kind of. Oh, I should probably clear some of this stuff. And as she starts to clear stuff around you, you realize they've kind of built like a, an altar around you. There's like a small thing for incense, um, a little like collection jar, uh, little scraps of paper that have been placed into a bowl at your feet as she kind of like starts moving stuff to the side. Oh, you, this this would make it easier for you to, to get up. Can you, can you walk? Your, your arms seem to work. Do your hands work? Your legs, feet. She kind of taps one of your knees. I think, and I I do an experimental like kind of stretch and put my feet down on the floor. Um, oh, oh, they do work. Um, yes, yes. Uh, that bag, that bag. I uh, was was with you in the, the cart full of supplies that we purchased off uh, an old merchant. I I guess he was um retiring or something didn't need his supplies anymore so he was just auctioning them off at market and well he had quite a few um pretty pretty great things that we've renovated over the years but um you just seemed like such a, a nice um display for our home so um well uh this anyway this bag there's there's some vials and stuff in it uh to be perfectly honest we weren't sure what most of it was it seems to be in a language we do not read um but maybe it makes sense to you so i reach in the bag and i'm kind of clutching it to me because i don't know it feels right but i don't know for sure what everything is but i want to look in and pull out a bottle and look at it you reach in and grab one of these vials um you you look and at first there's just like some writing on a label some sort of symbols but as you kind of focus on it you're not sure how you know the word but one of the tins that you pull out says something about a a, a balm and a bottle that says tonic and the journal has words, names, of plants, of animals. You're not sure how you know these words, but you recognize them. They make sense to you. Things feel right. I don't fully understand, but... And he looks at the things he's holding. For now, call me Tonic. Yes. <laughs> that sounds right. For now. Tonic. Oh, that's a that is a very interesting name, I must admit. Uh, well, you can call me Chow. Chow. And my my husband here is a uh, Wushan. Wushan. Uh, do you eat? Are you hungry? You you just woke up after such a long nap. I think for a second, and I kind of look down at my body and I kind of touch my face and I think probably not but if I get hungry I will let you know well come come let's let's get you at least cleaned up and see if we can't figure out um, well everything I stand up a little bit too fast Ooh. and then I like kind of shy away a little bit and then I 
kind of look at my hands again and kind of set them down and stay a little bit more subdued. She kind of reaches out one hand like on your elbow, the other hand kind of taking one of yours. Oh, come, come, come. Let's, let's loosen up those legs. They must be very, my, my legs get stiff after just a few hours. I can't imagine how you must feel after a couple of years. Years? It has been years, you uh, said. Y- yes, yes. I wonder... How did the person you got me from, did he say where he got me from? Oh, no. He, he said that he picked you up along the way, but, um, you, you were, you, you were a statue. Yes. Maybe answers will come as time passes. Yes, yes. Let, let's go try to jog that memory of yours. You know what always helps me? What helps you? Have you ever played Mahjong? I do not remember. That's fine. I'll teach you. Come, 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 come. Okay, I follow. I let her lead me. She she kind of shuffles you out of this workshop. Um, and as you do, kind of takes you into this home. Um, very, very simple home. Wooden walls. There is a kitchen with kind of an open fire. Upon which a, a large, kind of rounded metal pot um, has been set. There's something bubbling inside of it. Um, outside, you can see several tables where people are kind of gathered about. Uh, the older man kind of returns to the pot, stirs something into it. He's dishing things into bowls. Um, and as you you kind of settle in with this this older woman who takes you off to a table, kind of starts putting strange tiles in front of you with symbols on them. Uh, you trying to to regain some sort of lost memory. Uh, we're gonna jump to outside the city once more, uh, to the rolling seas outside of Cadessa. Um, about an hour's travel by horse outside of the city of Cadessa um, is is a little portside village, and beyond that, the great open seas. Um, the closer areas to Cadessa are often used for fishing, uh, things like that. There is a little bit of merchant travel. Off in the distance, uh, some of the isles, things like that, are pretty prominent places to collect things like spices, uh, trade mining supplies, gold, silver, traded along these routes. Uh, these islands also make for great hideouts uh, for various groups of individuals looking to kind of make their own way in society. One of these groups of individuals um, is, a, is a crew by um, who are aboard a, a large uh, junk ship known as the, uh, the Crested Crane. The Crested Crane, a large junk that is beautifully painted with greens and reds, golden sails unfurled on the three large masts as it sails across the deep blue open seas. And at this particular time, there's some stormy weather rolling in. The The waters are beginning to grow choppier. And though the rain hasn't started yet, the, the roll of thunder often off in the distance is definitely foreboding. 
um, as a, a gentleman um, by the name of Captain Aruno is commanding his crew to, to brace themselves for the oncoming storm. Uh, he's barking orders as a man who has done this for many, many years. Uh, ordering them, them to their posts to prepare the mass, uh, to man uh, the, the watch posts as the storm is slowly urging its way forward. Uh, the, the dark clouds moving in from the distance. Uh, to his right hand, uh, there is an individual, his first hand mate. Jen, would you like to describe your character for us? Sure. Um, so... Uh, standing at the railing of uh, the upper deck next to Captain Aruno um, is a tall young woman who um, has slightly darker skin. She has dark brown hair uh, tied back in a tight bun. Um, she has a, a small little headdress, just sort of almost like a headband um, in lieu of a fancy captain's hat because she's not a captain yet um and she is wearing um kind of a light tunic with uh orange and white and silver scale mail over top of it it's very reminiscent of koi fish um strapped to her back she has a pair of um kiem's sword kiem swords um and she's wearing um tall kind of warm brown leather boots and she's wearing brown leather gauntlets um her tunic almost kind of has like a skirted appearance at the bottom um and she's wearing a wide kind of belt around over top of her scale mail that has um a, a motif a repeating motif of flying cranes on it um that kind of match the design on the golden sails of the crested crane uh, as he, he looks to you, uh, Captain Maruno is a man that you've worked with for many years, uh, and you can see the look of determination in his dark eyes. He's got one hand on the helm, the other hand kind of strokes his thick, dark beard. Uh, he's got a, a golden turban, very similar to your own sash, that's wrapped around his head, as he's got one firm hand kind of guiding the ship. Um, well, looks like it's going to be another bumpy day. Well, we've weathered worse than this before. I don't think this will be any exception. No. Definitely, uh, definitely the season for rocky waters. The cranes weathered worse before. I'm sure we'll be fine. Uh, yes, nothing, nothing a new paint job can't fix. Kind of turns over uh, the, to the rest of the crew. Oi, Jan, Kieran, to the masts. Everyone to your places. Just another, another lovely summer day. He kind of chuckles to himself. Uh, the boat kind of gives a, a sudden lurch as a large wave rolls or, um, kind of hitting against you. Uh, please make me a dexterity save as the waters just violently kind of crash along the side of the crane. Uh, that's a 19. Okay. Uh, you're used to this. As the, the water hits the side of the boat, the boat kind of giving one violent lurch as it sort of rocks back and forth. You dig your heels in, uh, kind of bracing yourself. Uh, you don't even need to hold on to anything anymore. As you kind of just 
rock along with the boat, kind of weathering your own sense of balance. Uh, the, the captain kind of grabs onto the helm, a little bit of a low chuckle escaping his lips. Oh, water's feisty today! As, uh... Oh, we're ready for it. Oh, yes, not, nothing this old crew can't handle. Isn't that right? As he, he yells over to the crew. The crew kind of, aye, captain. As the, the ship kind of continues, the sky beginning to darken, um, a flash of lightning illuminates the sky. Uh, please make me a perception check, if you will. That is a dirty 20. Ah, okay. So as you look um, into the sky briefly, this bolt of lightning just suddenly brightening everything, you see kind of an odd winged silhouette um, in the distance of the sky. Something almost bird-like, but far larger, uh, making its approach towards you. Have you ever seen anything like that, Captain? Oh, only in storybooks. Is it something based on the storybooks that we should be concerned about? Hard to say. Why don't you go keep an eye from the bow? Aye, aye, Captain. You cross the the boat to the front of the the ship, kind of looking up into the distance, uh, trying to get a a better sense of what this winged creature is off in the distance. Uh, You can see very large wings, kind of the shape of um, what appears to be like a crane's wings, um, but far larger than any crane you've ever seen. Uh, The rest of its body appears to be a little bit of a mismatched sort of creature. It has a long serpent-like body, yet you can see kind of large, almost like ears protruding from its head, more of like a mammalian style head. Not really anything like you've ever seen before. Another flash of lightning illuminates it again. This time it's grown far closer as it's approached through the clouds. Um, And with a deafening high-pitched screech uh, that breaks the silence following the the roll of thunder from this lightning, uh, you see all of a sudden this creature begin to dive towards the ship. Um, And with that, I would like you to please roll initiative for me. (laughs) Uh, okay, that is um, a 12. Hey. Um, so as this large creature makes a sudden dive towards you, um, you're squinting in the now gloomy darkness of this cloud cover. You can see what appears to be almost like a lion-like head um, with this long serpent body, probably about 30 feet long. Uh, this is a massive creature that is diving down towards you, these, these lion jaws wide open. Um, almost like bird-like talons outstretched from the serpentine body and as its talons dig into the wood of the boat um, violently rocking it again Uh, would you please make me another dexterity saving throw and make one for the crewmates Uh, it's a 16 okay you, you kind of grab onto the bow of the ship, uh, bracing yourself, holding on as this creature 
just kind of rocks this boat violently. A couple of the crewmates you hear behind you stumbling, falling, sliding across the deck as this creature kind of stares down at you. Uh, it's, its eyes wide, almost glowing, kind of a deep purple in color as it just stares at you. Um, we're going to... That's going to bring us to uh, Captain Aruno first, who, seeing this creature, is actually just going to make a navigation. Um, he's just going to make a dexterity check to maintain the helm. Uh, you hear him yell from behind you. Oh, men to your posts! Draw your swords! Now's the time for action! As uh, he braces the ship, kind of tries to steady it against this large, sprawling creature whose tail you can now see is kind of starting to wind itself underneath this boat through the water. Uh, that's going to bring us to the crewmates. Uh, a couple of them, you can kind of hear still trying to scramble to their feet. You hear swords being drawn, uh, crossbows being pulled as a, a volley of fire launches its way to this creature. Uh, you see a couple of crossbow bolts pierce into it. Uh, it seems mildly annoyed by a the number of crossbow bolts that have kind of like little pinpricks in its side as this creature kind of, its eyes dart from you to the rest of the crew. It lets out another high-pitched screech. Um, would you please make me a wisdom saving throw? Okay, that's a 14. Okay, um, as that actually succeeds. Ah, um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> uh, some of the crew are not so lucky though as you see uh you, you hear the captain behind you still barking orders uh, a couple of the the crewmates who have come up beside you brandishing swords all of a sudden you see just like the the look of like terror in their eyes as they just freeze in place uh, that's gonna bring us to you. What would you like to do, this massive creature? Um, I'm going to, uh, so it's, it's like, got its feet, like, in, yeah, in it's the, like, okay, gripping onto, like, gripping. the railing of okay. the boat. So I'm going to, um, drawing a single key over my shoulder, um, I'm going to uh, run up and just its feet um, to try and get it to release our ship because this is not something that I want attached. <laughs> All right, go ahead and make me an attack roll. Oh, that's... Um, <laughs> I can just tell you right now that's not going to hit, but that is an 11. <laughs> yeah, as you, you go to strike at it, uh, your, your blade just hits Talon and it doesn't even seem to notice that you've struck at it. Um, oof. um, I'm going to call out to my companions who seem to have fallen under the effects of whatever this creature's I don't know if this is magic or 
sorcery or I don't know what is happening or if they're just, you know, a little less stout hearted than I thought they were. But I've I've known these uh, for a long and uh, I've never seen anyone be afraid like this before, even in the face of probably not. We've probably not any faced anything quite this bad before, um, but I'm going to call out to um, Fawn and Shaw who are two that I recognize that are closest to me who um, are afraid or somehow impacted by this creature. Um, and I'm just going to call out to them and, uh, Vaughn, Shaw, are you all right? What's happening? What is this? Uh, as you see kind of the their their hands trembling and just with the, the terror in their eyes as they look at this creature. I'm back to the top. Uh, the the captain, uh, kind of one hand still uh, gripping the helm, uh, kind of reaches into his side, uh, draws a, a small throwing blade as he just kind of from where he's at at the back of the ship, uh, chucks it at this creature goes flying past you and impacts the height of this creature once again this creature seems to barely even notice that something's tried to to hit it um as the the crewmates next to you still kind of like almost paralyzed with fear uh look just at this creature that is just staring them down both of them still just unable to move. Uh, you hear another volley of crossbow bolts being launched towards this creature. A couple of them impacting once again the hide. You can just see the little crossbow bolts sticking out, almost like acupuncture needles in this this little this little area of this very long creature's body. Uh, it kind of screeches a little bit, hissing with annoyance as it begins to constrict around the boat, uh, the the serpentine tail beginning to crunch in and you can hear the crunching and crushing of the wood of the boat um, as you hear um, Captain Aruno in the background, get that thing off of the boat, come on. And um, that's gonna bring us back to you, Asoya. Okay, um, I'm going to take another swing at its foot. Oh, wow. Ah, spent all my good rolls on skill checks and saves. Uh, that's going to be a nine, which is probably not going to hit. Uh, but I am actually going to use my axe and surge um, and try and swing at it again. You got it. Um, that one was a 16. Okay. That will hit. Yes. Okay. Um, so let's see. Um, okay. Going to be eight. Okay. Piercing. Uh, you, with the first strike kind of grazing against this creature's hide, you realize that the area near its talons is actually pretty tough. Uh, with your second strike, you aim back a little further, kind of more towards the joint as you, you sink your blade in, um, drawing what looks like dark, almost tar-like blood that is oozing out of this creature's body, dripping onto the railing um, as you, you withdraw your blade. Um, the captain lets off a, another uh, dagger from where he is, 
Uh, that is actually a natural 20 for a grand total of six points of dagger throwing damage. Because uh, you know, Good shot, Captain! As uh, this this blade uh, once again goes whirring past you, uh, kind of strikes this creature near its eye as it kind of howls again. Um, the the crewmates next to you um, still just looking almost entranced as they are just staring up at this creature. Um, another round of crossbow bolts goes past your head. Uh, all three of them impacting the, the side of this creature as it once again begins to constrict its body and um, this time very almost like with one kind of solid snap you hear the breaking of wood and just the the sudden urge of like being thrown into the air as the boat is essentially almost picked up by this creature uh, go ahead and make me a dexterity saving throw again if you will that is a 14 okay wow i just rolled three 19s, a 14, and then a three. Uh, as you see one of the, the crewmates uh, with the crossbow uh, being violently thrown back, kind of sliding and stumbling across the deck as he just slides toward the middle where the, the, the ship is beginning to bow in um, under the weight of this creature. Uh, that is going to bring us back to you. Um, I am going to um look between uh, the talons in front of me and my crewmate, Minge, who is sliding towards the middle of the ship. Um, and I'm going to quickly sheath my Kiem over my shoulder and um, grab a length of rope and tie it to myself and then I'm gonna like chuck the other end towards Minge for him and, and... grab on Minge! Uh, you, you see him start to scramble towards the rope um, the captain kind of trying to to steer the ship as best as he can, keep it from completely just being capsized by this creature. Um, the the two next to you um, both seem to kind of all of a sudden like blink, snapping out of it. Uh, one of them, uh, strange, so strange. Um, as they both look shaken, but kind of returning to their senses. Um, Minge grabs onto the rope, kind of pulling himself to his feet as the other two launch a, a couple more crossbow bolts into the side of this creature, both of them impacting. Uh, the creature, again, uh, starting to construct around the boat. You hear further snapping as the, the boat now beginning to almost like crumple and fold under the, the just the sheer size of this creature. It turns its head, looking down towards you, that purplish glow in its eyes. Um, and then it's, as its giant eyes meet yours, uh, please make me a wisdom save. Oh, shit. That's a two. Do you, you suddenly look up this, this purple glow in its eyes and all of the sudden... The, the world around you almost seems to slow and fade. And you hear a voice 
in your head, deep. And it actually sounds like multiple voices overlapped on top of each other. It's just this, this echo almost just reverberates inside of your mind. And it just says, consume, feed, feed, I hunger. And then the world goes dark. And that's gonna bring us back to the city. As a storm rolls in this evening in Cadessa, a, a funeral is taking place. And how fitting that the rains have come. As a group of individuals have gathered, dressed in white, gathered around to grieve the loss of a, a well-liked, albeit simple, man of, of a small community within the city walls of Cadessa. Near the, the northern portion of Cadessa, there's kind of a mercantile area where lots of artisans and craftsmen uh, have made both their homes and set up their workshops. And just to the north in a kind of a, a patch of fields um, are gathered a group of a couple dozen uh, individuals who, who have come together as a priest kind of reading a, a sort of a passage from ancient text. Uh, he drones on about the, the soul and how that one day the, the spirit might return to a new body as uh, this man had lived a good life and uh, it, is, it is hoped for him that in his next life he will find better fortune and better peace, a reward for the good, simple life that he has led uh, during these years that have passed. Uh, he talks about how this man has been freed from the sickness that has held him prisoner for all of these years, and now his spirit is once again watching over um, all of the people who are gathered here. A couple people are crying, and saddened by by the prospect of losing a close family member but there are also others who, who seem to be at peace um with this and are here to to honor a memory more than anything um among them is one particular young man miles would you like to describe your character uh yes uh standing there in the rain is quinvin or Quinn to his uh, friends and family. He's about average height, five eight, five nine ish. Uh, a little pale because he spent he's spent a good decade or so indoors taking care of his sick father. Uh, dark brown eyes, kind of medium length, black hair and a bun. He's wearing a traditional white uh, funeral kimono uh, and yeah as uh, the the priest wraps up his words uh, the the crowd kind of goes silent the priest steps down as uh, the, the funeral pyre um, is now being lit. Um, funeral pyres have become kind of a prevalent practice uh, in Cadessa over the last several decades, um, believed to be a way of 
returning the the organic body to to the soil from which it was risen um, and allowing the spirit to to be free and to find a new home um, through the process of a reincarnation uh, as the the priest finishes stepping aside the funeral pyre lit and um, despite the the presence of rain just on the pre just just on the horizon uh, you can smell that incoming rainstorm hear the rolling thunder and lightning off in the distance um, the priest approaches you uh, he's a middle-aged gentleman, long black hair that's been pulled back into a single ponytail, tied off with a golden ribbon, wearing very, very nice white elegant robes and kind of golden tabards that bear symbols and imagery of uh, these long serpentine dragons on them. Dear uh, boy, uh, I... I... I am sorry for the passing of your father, but uh, I do believe he is he is at peace now. That is uh, what I would like to believe too, sir. Thank you. I, uh, of course, um, I am always at the temple. Should you should you need any guidance, I know that you. Uh, have been particularly involved in the care of your father these past few years. Yes, uh, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Of course. Um, I wish you well. And kind of takes your hands, kind of awkwardly attempting to reassure you, opens his mouth like he's wanting to say something then kind of just lets go and begins to walk away, making his way through the rest of the crowd that is gathered. Uh, you hear kind of a, a voice clear behind you as um, two familiar faces approach you. Uh, they, you recognize them as your neighbors, uh, two, two individuals who have also been helping you for, for some time now, care for your father, uh, Jandar and Sano. Uh, as the these two men approach you, um, the one is, um, sort of uh, more tanned. He's he's definitely a farm worker, spends a lot of time outdoors, um, and is, is dressed in the white funeral attire, very common looking clothes. Uh, the other Sano is um, kind of a, a stout man, got sort of bluish skin, uh, a little bit more of a rounder figure, also dressed in very simple white clothes, a little dark puff of hair tied up into a little top knot on the top of his head. Um, the two of them come. Quinn, boy, how are you, you, you doing all right? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm fine, thank you. Uh, I, you, you know, Jandar and I, we've, we've been a bit worried about you. Um, do you have any plans as to what you're going to do now? Well, uh... I sold all of father's equipment, most of it, uh, to um, Hannah and Edith, hoping they would uh, continue the business as I um, try to figure out what's next for me. Sure, the business is in good hands, and perhaps it's for the best. Um, you know, um, you know what they say. Sometimes it's it's good to um. Focus on yourself every once in a while, and um, oh dear boy, you've, 
You, I, you cared so well for your father, but um, I, I too, you know, Jandar and I would like to see you um, be able to do something with, with your your gifts, if you you know what I mean. Yeah. I, uh, I've been kind of ignoring that for now. Uh, yes. I guess it's... Can't really avoid it now. Uh, well, such things are unavoidable. Destiny has a way of finding us all in time. Gandar uh, kind of steps forward, uh, taking kind of a, a, a little packet wrapped in a banana leaf um, from his... Uh, like his, the inside of his coat, and hands it to you. Your your father did request that we give you this um, after his passing. He, he uh, wanted you to have a last keepsake from him. Uh, he um, opens it. Uh, wrapped nicely inside this leaf is kind of an old aged. Uh, leather-bound journal uh, written in your father's handwriting containing a number of notes on some of it business and some of it a little bit different mythologies, histories some family ties and names that you've never heard of uh, well this is a surprise um, uh, thank you. Of, of course, uh, he, he was worried that perhaps um, you might need something to, to have known him better, and he regrets that his last years were um, not so fruitful with his son. I, I, don't, I don't blame him for that. He, he does regret. I, I know, but um, he does regret, you know... A lot of things from both his past and his more current years. Um, well, you know where to find us, should you need anything. I'll be back again. Not sure when, but you'll see me again. We will be here. Same as always. We are simple folk. Good luck to you. Thank you, friends. No, family. Uh, Jandar kind of extends a hand out to you. Take it. And as you do, you feel the thick, almost like slightly squishy arms of Sano just wrap around your waist as he pats like what is basically the small of your back because <laughs> he only comes up to like just below your shoulder. And he kind of, it's okay to cry, boy. <laughs> You always get sad when they grow up. <laughs> I just, uh, he gives him a little, like, side hug. Just, yeah, just, thank you. I think I'm all dried up for now. Well, this one is certainly not dried up. I'm going to get him home. <laughs> As Jandar kind of, like, peels one of Sano's arms off of you kind of, like, wraps his other arm around Sano and just starts to, like, try and pull him away. Let's... Let's get you... 
it's going to rain soon, and you know how things happen. You don't do well in the water, let's get you home. As he kind of shuffles this uh, his, his partner off to the side, just kind of pulling him along as, as Sano kind of gives you a wave. Come visit. We'll miss you. I will. Miss you guys already. As they kind of leave, uh, you are left alone with this journal in your hands. Well, uh, might as well get to know him better. Just starts flipping through it. So you start flipping through pages. Uh, you realize that there there are some pages that are kind of loosely tucked in, um, in a handwriting that. You don't really recognize uh, letters, maybe written in a language that you can't seem to, you don't recognize either. Um, your father's handwriting has annotated a couple portions of this. And as, as you're looking, um, you feel just something land on your shoulder, very light. You glance over, you see a small nightingale little beady black eyes looking at you. Oh, hello there. It gives a little chirp. Did you, uh, did you enjoy the service? Another little chirp. It kind of settles into your shoulder kind of just makes itself comfortable, squats down a little bit. Okay. Hmm. We should probably get out of the rain, maybe. Its eyes kind of follow your eyes, looking up at the sky. Reaches over, kind of like grabs the collar of your kimono and its beak, almost like it's trying to pull you in a direction. Okay, alright. Uh, as as you, you acknowledge it, it kind of flutters off your shoulder, kind of flies a little bit, lands on, on a rooftop, just kind of at the, the edge of the this area of town, looks at you. Hmm. Okay. Walks over to it. As you approach, it kind of like gives a little bit of a nod and a chirp, flies off to the next rooftop, sits to wait. I just keep on following. Okay. As you begin to follow this uh, little nightingale into town, uh, the the darkening skies above you, um, you, you begin to feel the soft drizzle of rain as you make your way through these kind of narrow alleyways. Um, people are packing up their, their wares. Um, homes are being closed up for the evening as the rain is coming. Um, merchants kind of collecting their carts, closing things up, um, getting them out of the path of the rain as you begin to follow this bird. Uh, just on the other side of town, more on the south southeast end of uh, the city is, is an area of town um, that is kind of well open to, to travelers. 
this this area boasts a very large, kind of almost more of a touristy area, you could say. There are shops here, um, shops that sell fine uh, artisan goods, that sell weaponry, that sell armor, um, that also um, provide lodging for travelers and merchants who have come into the city from the outlying villages. Um, despite the drizzle that is picked up, it's still a very bustling area of town at this time of the evening. Uh, the, the various inns are full of laughter, people drinking tea, enjoying some fine rice wines, um, and kind of winding down from a day of hard labor and travels. And this is an area where various merchant and artisan and adventurers guilds are housed. Uh, there's, there's a bathhouse um, kind of settled in amidst a little, tucked in a little bit. Um, it's front facing building, just a very simple looking uh, place. Um, and outside is just a, a very lovely motif of a bouquet of red lilies. Um, and inside this bathhouse um, are a number of patrons kind of relaxing, enjoying a day. Um, and unbeknownst to them, there are a number of meetings happening just underneath where they are relaxing. Underneath this bathhouse is uh, constructed a little bit of a, a hidden secret of meeting place. Uh, the kind of place that very, very few in this city know about. Uh, the kind of place that you only find yourself in if you were in deep trouble or happen to belong to a part of this organization. Uh, behind a folded bamboo screen uh, is, is seated um, an individual uh, wearing sort of an, an Oni-style mask, uh, the, the tusks carved into it, horns um, that are that come up, um, and the, the entire face painted uh, red, uh, just, just slits where the eyes are. Um, this figure dressed in a black kimono, uh, very, very regally sitting on a, a pile of cushions as um, a couple of individuals um, kind of from the other side of this bamboo screen, bowing deeply, standing, and uh, leaving. This figure kind of raises a hand from behind the screen. Um, send in Sovan, would you? As the two kind of bow, of course, sir. As they they shuffle um, back, as they they kind of leave this this inner chamber of this underground place. Um, they approach a, a young individual um, who is kind of just waiting outside. Uh, Gray, would you like to describe your character for us? All right. Well, um, you see a rather tall, uh, six foot six to be exact, uh, very tall, um, dark dressed figure, completely head to toe, blues, grays, blacks. Um, there's some dark tight fitting leather armor, um, a dark blue scarf, um, that doubles as a hood. Um, the hood is down at this moment, though, but um, on his back, there's a quiver of pure black arrows with bright red feathers um, and a black short bow. Uh, he's got some daggers strapped to his chest and they're wrapped with um, bright red fabric. Uh, he's got a black sheathed katana and a taito blade on his back um, that are also um, wrapped with red on the handles. Um, there's a similar red cord uh, tied just above his left bicep. Um, 
He's got uh, soft steel blue skin. Um, his eyes are very sharp and this dark brown. Um, they're lined with this bright red eyeliner-esque marks. Um, and his hair is jet black. Uh, it's messily twisted back in this half bun that's held by this bright long silver pin. Um, he's got two short horns that kind of stick up underneath. Um, he's got uh, a couple scars littering his face just here and there, some little nicks and cuts. Um, and he's got these short little tusks that kind of stick out um, of his mouth. Uh, He's got um, on his armor this uh, stark white with like red accent um, Oni mask stuck to his shoulder. Um, but the most striking part about him is uh, he his right arm um, seems to be made of wood and metal. Uh, there's a couple of blades sticking out of the forearm. It's kind of wrapped um, not super subtly in um, black fabric. Uh, and then um, his fingers, all metal, come to sh some sharp points. Um, going, looking down, um, his pants are tucked into these metal bands um, that come to right about his knees, and his knees are metal as well that go down to these prosthetic legs, which are probably why he's so tall, because um, he's perpetually standing on his toes, um, which from the knees down, completely wooden metal. Um, there's also some blades that stick out of his calves. Um, and he's just kind of standing with his arms crossed, looking pretty nonchalant. Uh, just outside the door where you're standing, uh, you see two individuals emerge. Uh, you recognize both of them. Uh, one of them is a younger woman. Um, she has very, very fair complexion, dark hair that's kind of been put into a single bun on the top of her head, uh, very much dressed in similar black clothing, uh, the hood kind of also down around her neck. Um, she has several different leather harnesses and straps holding a, ver a variety of weaponry. Um, the other is an older man uh, who very also dressed in black, um, has a satchel, the sash of which is lined with a number of small like alchemy jars and uh, little vials and things like that. Uh, the two of them glance at you as the woman kind of, the boss would like to see you. All right, just give him a nod. Kind of yeah. lean forward off the wall. Pass you, headed back out. And I walk in. As you walk into this chamber, uh, you, you see just pretty much immediately in front of you this bamboo screen that kind of separates you um, from this figure uh, that you have come to, to know as both a master and also a, a mystery over the years. Uh, they never really leave uh, the, the screen in public and always kind of hidden away from the public eye. Um, there are a number of cushions kind of laid on your side of the screen as you hear um, their low voice from the other side. Come, Savan, sit. I do as I'm told. You have uh, grown to be a capable operative of ours. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate the work you've put into it, and um, I believe I have a job for you. I perk up at that. It's a little bit more straight than it was before. Uh, 
You understand, normally I would send Jin for this sort of a task, but uh, he is already away on business and I need somebody who I can trust. And I do trust that you are up for such a task. My eyes kind of widen a little bit, blinks. Uh, all right, what is, what is it? I'm a little taken aback. <laughs> we have a client that has reached out to us with a particularly interesting proposal. Uh, you see, there is word that um, there are some upheavals amongst the, the Council of Speakers. The current speaker of the Roasari is growing old, and uh, it is rumored that he may not last much longer. And Mama, my client uh, has a certain replacement in mind. Uh, he would like to vet this replacement, if you will. Uh, I have a name for you, and if you are up to the task, I would like some information on this individual. Of course. Um, the name? Shinoe. Unfortunately, we don't have a ton of information. It seems that, uh, uh, Adishinoe is, um, a bit of a recluse. Somebody who has been training in the outlying villages for many, many years and has only recently returned to the city. I was told that she is currently taking up residence inside the academy walls. Mm. Now, my client is very interested in moving her along into the position of speakerdom, but before he does, we want to make sure that there's no conflicting interests in her past, if you know what I mean. Of course. I want you to find out anything you can about her, where she's been training, who she's been working with, mentoring under, what her motives are. And, mm. um, you know, for our own personal interest, if she's impressionable. <laughs> yes, Master. And I bow my head. Report back when you found something. Of course. And I stand up. You're dismissed. And a little slight bow of my head. Uh, probably a little too casual um, to be uh, acting around this individual, but uh, regardless, he leaves. Uh, they they kind of turn you you pass somebody else in the hallway as they they kind of enter in. Um, another individual that you've seen several times through here. Uh, what would you like to do? <sighs> well. I think I need a little bit more information. <laughs> so I'm going to go figure out what I can about this Shinoe. You uh, kind of step, um, you, you head up the stairs into the, the general bathhouse. Uh, the patrons here are of an interesting variety. Um, most of them tattooed, which is pretty unique to see in a bathhouse here in Cadessa. Um, many of them don't even give you a passing nod as you walk by, as you head out into the streets. Uh, the before drizzle. I leave, yes. Sorry to interrupt you, but before no, I good. leave, I pull up my mask. That's 
uh, part of my shirt, a fabric mask that's tightly fitted to my face. I pull up my hood because the rain. And then I put my Oni mask on over it. And then I step out. Okay. Uh, stepping out into what is now a, a complete downpour of rain, uh, you, you kind of, the, the bamboo roofs uh, giving you a little bit of a shielding as they kind of make a little bit of an almost umbrella cover over the, the sides of the building. Uh, the streets pretty much empty now as people have sought shelter indoors. However, you see multiple lanterns and candlelights lit on, in the nearby buildings. Uh, as you make your way through the rainy streets of Cadessa, um, we go to um, the outside of the city, um, south of the city. Uh, if you were to walk a couple of hours to the south, there's kind of a small road that winds its way through the hills and the jungle um, that leads to kind of a small beach uh, where now in the rain um, is very much a, a reclusive, small little spot. It's a place where many come to find solace or peace away from the hustle and the bustle of the city. Um, it, from the, the shores of this little beach, there's nothing but just open ocean. Um, and even in the, the darkness of this nighttime summer storm, the, the water is still very relaxing. Uh, the waves kind of crashing up against rocky shores. Um, and alone on this beach on this particularly rainy night uh, stands one sole individual. Brittany, would you like to describe your character for us? Yes, so there's a young woman her hair is shoulder length and a kind of bright silver. Her, the hair looks as though she got out of the water 10, 15 minutes ago. Very wavy, um, just very, a little bit wet. Um, and it's falling slightly over one eye. And poking out from beneath her hair are long pointy ears that are almost fin-like. Her eyes are also silver, which um, are very bright against her light blue skin. And she looks just a little dewy, um, again, almost as though she was just swimming. Around her neck, there is a circle pendant with a turtle in the middle facing up towards her that lies right above her heart. Her clothes are very organic looking. They are tan. Um, frayed at the edges, um, falling down, um, long sleeve, about mid-calf. And um, across her, there's a woven sash that um, goes across her body and then wraps around her waist and falls down to her bare feet that definitely look a little bit calloused. Um, and she's about, let's say, five, six. And she's just feet in the water, letting the rain fall on her, looking very relaxed. So you stand there, the rain just falling over you. You feel the cold waves kind of lapping up at your ankles. And as the storm begins to, to pick up, the waves were a little bit bigger, just the, the waves kind of brushing up now to your knees as they kind of lap up against you. As the, the storm around you um, just swirls, you find yourself at an odd sense of peace. It's quiet here and a welcome break from the time you've been spending in the city of Cadessa. 
Having grown up in a small fishing village, this almost feels like home again. Except it's silent here. Nothing but the rain and the distant thunder, the occasional crash of lightning. But that all feels like home to you as well. As you, you kind of stand there. Almost a sense of communion with the nature and the world around you. Just trying to reach out for anything. What's going through your mind? I am going to try to just very relaxing, eyes closed, kind of feel the waves of the ocean, let my body rock with it, and try to cast control water just into a bubble, into a ball in front of me, letting the rain hit it and watching it grow ever so slightly and just trying to maintain it for as long as I can in the most meditative state I can. And while there's not necessarily comprehensive thought going through my mind. It's more just feeling the the ocean and the water and trying my best to connect. So you, you watch this globe of water uh, kind of ebb and flow in front of you, almost mimicking the flow of the tide at your feet. Uh, you watch and you concentrate and as you do, you kind of feel almost the pull of the water calling to you that that sense of like the sea and the storm beckoning you to it, to come home, to be one with it. And the rain around you almost feels like kind of a blanket just enveloping you. And all of a sudden you don't feel the cold of the ocean nor the, the humidity of the air around you. It's just comfort and peace that washes over you. And as you do, you feel something almost like a voice but with no words it kind of calls you beckons you to step just a little further into the ocean i let as the waves rock me back as they pull me back in i let myself take a couple of steps in you take a couple of steps the the water once cold at your feet now feels warm inviting welcoming this is something you've been trying to achieve for so long you can almost feel something, someone, trying to speak with you, but it's distant. The word's not quite coming through. The, the calmness that I was experiencing before starts to feel a little bit more turbulent as that almost the unattainable feeling of something right outside of my, my reach is there and just that I can't get to it. Um, and my, my concentration and meditation starts to break just a little bit. Globe in your hands starts to waver, little pieces of it dropping off as you kind of have to force it back into shape. Uh, the, the, the globe itself kind of quivering, suspended between your hands. And you feel kind of that pull again, this time a little bit stronger towards the waves. As the pull gets stronger, I let it, just try to let it take me with it. You step further into the water, following this very turbulent pull that the further you step into the water almost feels desperate. Like it's it's trying to, to get something across to you and just can't quite do it. Do you feel a sense of urgency rise in your chest? 
I don't, I don't know, I don't know what to do. Just tell me what, tell me what to do. And start to shake a little bit. You stand now submerged up to your chest in the waves, this, this globe of water just floating above the surface of the ocean. And you feel, again, almost like a voice, but no words almost beckoning you to reach a hand out to it. And you can almost imagine in your mind's eye a dark shape with a hand outstretched towards you. I'm going to close my eyes and try to to visualize that and that feeling and reach forward as far as I can. As you reach forward, your eyes close now. You can see your eyes closed in the vision of your mind, a hazy shape as if you're now submerged in the waves, the, the kind of little bits of light peeking through the waves as you see a, a figure of very large, almost turtle-like shape, spiny on the head, large hands, kind of this dark shadow of a hand reaching out to you as you extend your hands out trying to reach towards it. For a second, your hand grabs something. You make contact kind of feeling scales. No, not scales. Hair. Human hair. Skin. I, my eyes you know, flash open and I try to see what I'm feeling and I pull whatever that is closer to me. You, you reach out grabbing at something and this, this image of this, this turtle-like structure in your mind fades, and you realize that in front of you, floating in the waves, is a human woman. I, I grab her and pick her back to shore. As, as you, you kind of pull, she's limp, not quite lifeless, but definitely not conscious as you, you pull this figure out of the waves kind of towards this rocky shore. I, I lay her down and put my ear towards her chest to try to catch on to if she is, if she is alive. You, you hear something faint. Breath. She's alive. Perhaps barely. I'm just saying, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. And I rest my hands on the side of her face and cast healing word. Okay. Um, that's... will be... So, five points of, of healing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not damage. Five points of damage. You're gonna <laughs> kill me! No! <laughs> um, and that's all that does. It's just okay. for a little boost. Asoya. Your mind's been in, in darkness this whole time. You feel water being forced from your lungs. There's a ringing in your head as you're coughing, struggling to catch your breath. That same voice over and over again. I hunger. Feed. And all of a sudden it's gone. And everything is just cold and wet and your chest is tight and it hurts and as the world around you comes into focus 
the rain still beating in your eyes as you struggle to see where you are. You feel sharp stones of a rocky shore underneath your back. And a face that you don't recognize looking down at you. Who are you? I'm, my name is Kyrie. How, what happened to you? How did you come to be in the water? Was it the storm? It's okay, it's just me. It's just me here. Did you... Did you see a ship? I, I didn't, no, I didn't. Is there anyone else? You're the first that I've come across. <sighs> I'm happy to try to help look. Are there other... <sighs> how many others should there be? Dozens. I... 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 I belong. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, it's all right. How, it's all right. How long has this storm been happening? Did you see that thing? I, I, I didn't. I don't know what thing. There was a, a creature. It, it landed on our ship and it destroyed it. And it, it, it came into my mind. And I, I've never felt anything like that in my entire life. Let's, let's get you warm. It, and I can- I need to look for my crew. I don't, I, I need to look for my crew. Okay, we need, you'll need to be at your best. Let's get you at least a blanket around you. It's going to be okay. And I'm gonna- No! It's it, not. You're going to be okay. Not without them. We can try to find them. I, I will help you try to find them. Oh. What is your name? I'm. I'm sorry. I'm. I'm. I'm Soya. And Soya? you said you said your name was. Ky Kyrie. Kyrie. Uh, I'm sorry. I. Uh, I'm not... Uh, how how long has it been storming and raining and... I, I, tend, to, I tend to lose track of time uh, sometimes. I... It's been, it's been quite some time though. Uh, um... Uh, we can, we can look and, and I will help you and I've been where you are. It, you're going to be okay, and we can, we'll look for them. And I'm going to uh, try to get her off of, away from the water a little bit, and get into my backpack and just get my, the blanket I carry, and wrap it around her. And we can, we can look right now, if you want. We can go up and down this little beach, it's not much, and we can try to see what, what we can see. Yes, please, okay. please. Um, I will just pray for guidance for her. Okay. Um, and touch her and she should maybe perhaps clear her mind just a little bit. Asoya, you feel kind of this, this odd presence. It's kind of almost like that lull of the sea. 
comforting to you in a weird way. Kind of feel a little bit of energy settle into your bones. And can I start to look up and down the beach and just just see if I see anything? Yeah. Go ahead and make a perception check for me. I will as well. Okay. We have advantage on it. Did you say Uh perception? Yes. That was a nat 20. Hey. (laughs) Make up for that too. (laughs) (laughs) That is, and I have advantage on those. Ooh, okay. So that'll be a 23. Okay. Uh, all right, as the two of you kind of take to, to just the, the edge of the shore, kind of entering into the water as far as you dare go, uh, you your eyes kind of look out. Um, so it's, it's dark, and you can't really see well, but every once in a while, that flash of lightning kind of illuminates the sky, and you take full advantage of those moments just to scan, see if there's any sort of shapes in the waves. You kind of desperately sticking your hands in the water, looking for something, anything, some sort of sign of life or some sign that somebody is still out there. And as you you search, your your hands turn up nothing but rock and sand in the beach. However, as you look off in the distance, your eyes for just a second, I'm not sure if you imagined it or not, see the very, very small silhouette of that same winged creature circling far, far in the distance. Do you spend much time here on the coast? As much as I can. I was born on the water. The land is is harder for me to even be near. As you have been searching uh, this this beach area, kind of feeling into the water, uh, your search turns up little. You can feel the waves almost telling you there's bits of debris out there. And all of a sudden you feel almost a sense of hopelessness. Have you ever heard of or seen I can't even begin to fathom. I... We were sailing, and there was a storm, and we've weathered so many storms before, but there was this winged beast that came out of the storm, and... and attacked our ship and it, it it crushed the ship and and it 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 came in into my mind and and spoke things I, I don't even know if it was that creature speaking i i don't know i've never experienced anything like that in my entire life and i have you ever seen or heard of a creature so large it can destroy Ships, large ships. I mean, we have a crew almost 60. I. 
How can they all be gone? The, the water... The water is unforgiving. And yes, I, I know of some creatures and beasts that can, can do that to a ship. I'm Why? not familiar Why? with what you're describing being airborne. All I know is what I've experienced in the ocean, and it was not an unkind creature. My, my hope for your crew is that the one, and I grab my pendant, that the one who gives me guidance will help your crew find their way to peace. I can only hope that if I survived, I mean, we weren't terribly far off the coast. Maybe they washed ashore elsewhere. I, they, I mean, most of them have been sailors far longer than I have been. Better swimmers, better sailors. I, they can't be gone. They can't. I refuse. I refuse. They cannot be gone. And I will refuse with you and we will look. Do you... Where are we? I'm sorry, I should have asked you that a long time ago. I, I'm so disoriented, I don't even know what questions to ask. Or... <sighs> That's alright. That's alright. You've been through so much. We... We're on the shore outside of Cadessa. We're not too far. Is are there city. are there towns like fishing villages? Uh, I uh, my brain feels like it's been scrubbed by sand. My insides have been, but I there's a small there's a port, village, town to the southwest. Are we anywhere near of, of Cadessa? Are we near there or any smaller fishing villages nearby? Or I'm certain anything? there must be. I, I won't pretend to be well-versed in the geography of this area. It's not where I'm particularly from but I know that I know of people who can can help us and take us where you're needing to go I have you know I'm, I'm here to help you I wouldn't abandon you right now well that's I mean that's very kind of you we just met but I I don't obviously have anyone else to turn to so I would greatly appreciate your assistance in finding any of the whereabouts of my ship, if it's still a ship and not debris on the ocean, and my crew, if they are still a crew or lost well, to the deep. I... Kindness what? is the most affordable commodity, so I will <sighs> give it where I can, and we'll search for your crew and your if you're, you know, I assume you consider them your family, and we will, we will do I, what we can. I, I don't know if I, 
do I do I have any like coins left on my person? Like, do I have like what do I have left on me? Like, you you kind of scramble. Weapons are mostly still there. Little <sighs> little waterlogged. <laughs> Stuff seems to be intact. I, uh, I, you know, I, I don't carry much coin when I'm, you know, at, at sea, so I, you know, I don't have much to offer in the way of coin, but I, uh, handy with blades, <laughs> so, you know, if, uh, if protection is something that you need, you know, I'm obviously more than happy to provide that, and, uh, um, I can't do any magic, but it seems like you maybe have that covered. Um, I, uh, I, I, I have, I have what I have, and we will navigate this together. I'm, I will gladly accept your, your protection, I'm as I know. Glad to give it. To be alone. To be alone. <laughs> I'm, I'm certain it's always dangerous to be alone. Um, let's let's get you warm, and let's get to some. You know, uh, when the sun is a little higher in the sky. Yes, I. More light. I I worry that we won't. I mean, I I worry that we won't find much in in. Storm, I, I'm, I was, I was tied to one of my crewmates, or had a rope and he was holding it, but obviously he's not holding it anymore, but I, the rope is still there, though. Okay. <laughs> um, well, um, do we hear, hear anything, like any screams of help, or... Uh, make a perception Anything? check for me. I will also listen to you. That one was not as good. That was a nine. Fifteen. Okay. Isaiah, you listen. Uh, the, the sound of rain and thunder is really all you can hear. Well, I think... I'm not terribly bothered by the rain. You know, there's not really much escaping water on a ship. <laughs> it doesn't look like you're too terribly bothered by water either. But, uh, you know, perhaps we should find a bit of shelter and, and perhaps find something that we could use to make a map so we don't I don't know, so we can figure out where we are and and figure out where the currents might have sent anyone else or you know it, I, I the seas are obviously quite turbulent so it's likely that we may be scattered quite far but you know I uh, I certainly need to rest after oh, almost dying. Thank you for preventing me from totally dying. That would have been an untimely end for me. Clearly that's <sighs> agreed upon that you were, you were meant to be where you are. 
Uh, apparently, you know, I'm I'm not I've never been much of one for gods, but I can't deny that apparently one has given you the power to keep me here, so mm. perhaps I'll find out what they want. We we'll find know. that out together. Yes. <laughs> Let's get you warm. The two of you head a little further inland, uh, seeking the, the shelter of some sort of cover um, from the hills and the trees away from the beach. Uh, we return now to the city of Cadessa. In the center of the city, most people having now retreated into their homes, people winding down to go to bed as the, the night uh, grows very late. Uh, in the center of the city, uh, a river runs through, uh, separating the northern and southern portions of Cadessa. Several bridges made of stone kind of arc over it, leading to, to different areas of the city. Just south of the river is a pretty prominent market district that now completely closed up. The tents sealed, the wares stashed away, protected now from the downpour uh, that this rainstorm has turned into. Uh, there are very, very few people left on the streets uh, during such a rainstorm. And the few that are, are sticking close to the building, seeking to stay dry from the storm. Uh, one such individual, slinking alone through the, the dark streets of Cadessa. Hayden, would you like to describe your character for us? She is a shorter woman um, walking along kind of ducking in and out where there's cover, trying to quickly get between the open spaces to stay out of the rain, especially given her white fluffy tail trailing behind her, which she does not like getting wet and cleaning. Um, she is wearing a sort of white and black asymmetrical um, kimono top that tucks into her hakama skirt that stops at her boots and a large red fur shrug around her shoulders that kind of frames this almost dirty gray snow white hair that ends in the tips of her head with two fox ears protruding and kind of on a swivel just listening to any passing conversation that she can get kind of stay low along the buildings, your ears uh, listening into to the various windows and things that you pass along by. In this area, there's, there's lots of homes um, as people are kind of retreating in for the evening, families gathered around dinner tables, settling down for bed. There's often some pretty good gossip uh, that is picked up in this part of town. Uh, go ahead and make me a perception check, if you will. Sure thing. Eleven. Okay. Um, you, you you pick up bits and pieces of conversation, mostly some petty arguments. Uh, you learn about a woman who apparently is having a squabble with her neighbor uh, over some wares. There's a, a man who is accusing one of his business partners of cheating at a game today. Uh, pretty boring conversation. The, the conversation of ordinary folk. As you, you approach a little bit closer to kind of the center of town, uh, listening in, you kind of spot off in the distance, 
little bit of an odd sight as you see a, a young man dressed in white who appears to be following a small bird through the rain as he kind of disappears off into the distance of the alleyways. A little bit of an odd sight for such a rainy night, but then again, you've seen Stranger Things. Light closer. So difficult to get the mud out of. <laughs> and I just kind of keep on my way. Kind of turn my head as the paths cross, kind of look over, <laughs> but keep going. You, you kind of exchange a glance. Uh, uh, Quinn, for just a moment, you, you see a, a figure kind of pass by you, and um, fox ears, little bushy tail peeking out from under the clothes. As all of a sudden a little chirp grabs your attention again. This is this nightingale hopping impatiently in the rainwater, motioning to you to follow. Okay, okay, all right. Uh, Mima, as you, you continue on your way through town, kind of making your way uh, up uh, across the bridge into uh, kind of a, a more, like, the area that opens up um, into the, the large temple grounds at the center of Cadessa. Uh, very much a, a nice area to kind of maybe seek a little bit of shelter. There's large pavilions kind of set up outside uh, these stone sort of gazebo style structures uh, with kind of square roofs that slant up, each of them decorated with a little bit of a, a spire on top. Uh, many of the edges carved with figures of dragons and cranes and phoenixes, these, these mythical creatures etched along in the stone. And um, there, there are still some people who are kind of out watching the rain, mostly priests, uh, many of them who are different uh, representatives or believers in, in gods that follow tempests and storms. Um, many of them kind of finding a sense of communion out here in this, this drizzling weather. So you kind of sneak along, finding shelter under the gazebo, finding a good place to listen in on some, some conversations. Uh, these various priests, um, you uh, see a number of individuals kind of glancing around. Go ahead and make a, another perception check for me, if you will. Nat 20. Okay. Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, as you're kind of listening to the priests nearby, uh, you realize they're more just having a boring conversation um, about just the, the summer weather um, and how they're, they're quite looking forward to hopefully a nice wet season and how it'll bless the crops. And you're about to give up on the conversation altogether when your ear just kind of peeks a little bit to the side as you, you hear a, another voice of a couple of passerbys, a large parasols kind of covering them as they, they walk by in dark blue robes uh, made of silk that are kind of embroidered uh, with the, the images um, of koi fish and turtles, uh, various aquatic creatures. Um, and as they pass by, you, you hear one of them mention something about uh, the twins um, having gotten into to a bit of an argument with uh, the Oracle recently about the, the manner of proceedings uh, within the council. Uh, the, one of the, the priests um, hood up, you can't get a, a great look at their face, um, but they appear to be um, kind of a, a larger, kind of uh, 
looks like they they have like a a parrot style face. You can see tufts of feathers sticking out from under the cloak's hood. Uh, the the beak um, protruding out as the the hood is drawn in to try and keep the feathers out of the water. Uh, this figure mentions something about uh, the the whole council and being in bit of an upheaval as of late and tensions rising due to the fact that the oracle seems to be losing his grip on the realms beyond and they're losing some having some doubts about the the future um as as you hear this kind of conversation kind of fade into the distance these two people passing by you without so much as giving you a glance uh, headed across the bridge further down south uh you, you kind of peeking your head around to, to finish hearing as much of this conversation as you can before their voices are lost to the, the sound of rain against stone. You see off in the distance something else. Somebody moving through the shadows, kind of slinking along buildings, trying to stay out of the rainwater as much as possible. At first, you don't really pay too much attention, but then it catches your eye. You've seen somebody that moves like that before. I am definitely going to follow them. Are uh, you following at a distance? Uh, yeah, a, a good ways back. Not so much that if they turn around, I'm not close enough where they would think I'm necessarily following them. Okay. But I'm totally uh, following them. Go ahead and make a stealth check for me, if you don't mind. 17. Okay. Uh, you kind of start heading towards this figure. Uh, you can tell just by the, the kind of trajectory that they're taking. Uh, they seem to be taking a route headed towards the academy, um, which kind of just to the east of where you are, uh, located slightly more east of the temple grounds, still just barely on that north side of the river. Uh, you kind of leave this pavilion, kind of moving at a distance, um, in kind of a way that you could almost intercept them if you would want to. Um, as you, you kind of follow them, um, getting a little bit better view of, of this figure, you can see dark clothes, hood pulled up, um, and as a flash of lightning kind of goes across the sky, you can see the, the kind of porcelain style Oni mask covering the lower face. Um, and now you are quite sure you recognize this individual. I call out to them. You know, the point of sneaking is to not get caught. I freeze. and slowly straighten up. Mighty sharp of you, but awfully brave. Says I'm not turning around. Says the one slinking off into the dark stormy night. Then I turn, eyebrows under the hood, raise. Huh. I mean, makes sense. Only one brave enough. It's been a while. It has. 
Have I made you regret anything yet? Not yet. But, um... I don't think you learned your lesson. Trying to steal something again. I have not stolen anything. You're the one who needs lessons in sneaking about. <laughs> All right, show me. And I will cast Disguise Self on myself and dart off. <laughs> See if okay. he can catch me. Oh. <laughs> All right. Um, as you cast Disguise Self on, uh, you, your figure kind of changing as you dart off into the night. Um, let's see. Go ahead and make me a stealth check. And Savan, uh, go ahead and give me a perception check. Two. Oh, well, I can guarantee it's going to be more than two, but one sec. Rolling at one. Rolling at one. Um, even with a nat one, oh, it was almost a nat one, but it was a seven, so a total of 11. Uh, Mima, as you, you turn kind of in this almost showy flourish, your form shifting a particularly slippery piece of tile kind of finds underneath your paw as you, you kind of slide, as you, you try to like dart around the corner, you kind of slip off to the side, kind of not painfully, but kind of sliding into to a set of like barrels that have been stashed along a, the outer wall of one of these homes. Uh, Savan, you watch as this figure, kind of the tail disappearing, the ears merging into something else, very gracefully turns and then all of a sudden just kind of like topples into a, a, a pile of barrels, not too far. Uh, he laughs, um, catches up to her easily, uh, kind of looks down at her in the rain. You haven't changed. All in the spell and huff. You didn't see that. I you got sure lucky did. it's raining. Hmm. Couldn't say you'd be lucky to see me again, though. And he gives her a hand. Um, it's his metal hand to lift her up. I take it. So what are you doing out here tonight? You know I can't tell you that. Yes, but it's no fun not knowing and not trying. What's it to you? Well, I tend to like knowing what goes on in the city. Mm, so do I. What are you doing? Well, it's storming. Sensible people tend to go home and get out of the rain. And you're obviously not sensible. Well, I was on my way that way until a certain someone wasn't good at sneaking. Hmm. I'm plenty good at sneaking. You just have sharp eyes. I'll take it as a compliment. Good. They're rare. Anyway. I'm very aware. You continue with your sneaking. I'm going to go back to work. Be lucky that Jin isn't with me this time. And I turn to leave. 
As you turn to leave, um, in the the sound of the rain, um, still kind of pattering all around the on the bamboo roofs, the cobblestone uh, streets, you all hear the sound of a drum. Uh, the two of you hear it first, very loud, coming from the the center of the temple, and then you see almost a magical flame being lit at the side of a temple, a warning, an alarm being raised. And you hear the sound of all of a sudden movement, the sound of armor, people moving through the temple grounds, uh, marching almost with a sense of purpose. The drumbeat begins to echo through the town. Uh, Quinn, all of a sudden this nightingale stops, its head kind of turning to the sound of this drum at the temple ground, northeast of where you currently are in the streets. Tonic from inside, the, the safety and warmth of a home, this woman who has repeatedly been trying to explain to you the, the meaning of the symbols on these tiles and has been beating you over and over again at the same game, uh, stops as the, the sound of drums begins to echo through the city, spreading throughout. The sound of something ill on the tide, something something bad that has happened. The sound of a drum that most of you who have been raised in the city know to be a warning, a summoning of the city's forces to the temple grounds and a call to arms for those who are set to protect the city from within. And with that sound of the drums beating in the distance, the rain still pouring as Asoya and Kyrie, the two of you finding a place to shelter uh, for the remainder of the night through this summer storm. That is where we will pick up later. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, this <laughs> is our first chapter of Shadows of Cadessa. Um, I am really excited to introduce this full cast of characters to you. Uh, next episode, we will have the remainder of our cast here for their introductory episodes. And then we're gonna get into some good stuff. So stay tuned. Uh, we'll be here every Tuesday night at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Thank you so much for joining us. Additional episodes uh, are coming down the line. Uh, these will also be posted to YouTube and podcast format shortly. So thank you for so much for joining us. Uh, feel free to follow us on Instagram, Shadows of Cadessa. Uh, also on Twitter, Shadows of Cadessa. And you can follow all of these lovely individuals um, by checking out the social media links right below their lovely faces. Thanks again so much for joining us. We can't wait to see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.